One of the ways in which Christians seek to encourage others is by offering the expression, when God closes a door, he opens a window. It's one of those sayings that's meant to convey hope, particularly in those moments when it seems like things aren't going in someone's way, or like the opportunity that they had is lost. It just somehow, some way, managed to slip through their fingers. And now, well, now they seem to be shut off from where they wanted to be. They are shut off from the desired end that they had and that they had planned for. In an attempt to comfort and encourage, one then sells it to tell the other person that they're sorry that things didn't work out. But though this may have gone in this way, there will be other chances. There will be different opportunities on the horizon so that you can get to where you want to be. God? Well, God will make it right by opening a window, even if he previously shut the door, even if he previously slammed the door. But Willie, is that the promise that he actually makes? That's a fundamental question that we have to ask ourselves as we consider what this statement says and what it means, especially because we tend to say it with absolute conviction. We offer it up as if it were an absolute, unquestionable fact. Do we have a scriptural basis do we have a biblical foundation for saying this? One which provides a solid theology for this sentiment? Or is it simply something that we offer without actually considering what it implies? That's what we'll be discussing this week as we continue our exploration of popular Christian sayings and what they mean. I'm Wyatt McIntyre, and this is our timeless faith. How many times have you been met with some form of disappointment or another, or found that something, it just didn't work out the way that you had planned. And now, now it seems like what you had worked so hard for is shut off from you. What you had planned for, it's gone. You're obstructed from it. And then, then someone maybe puts their arm around you or they pat you on the shoulder and they say, it's okay. When God closes a door, he opens a window. If no one has ever said this to you in some form or another, then you're, you're in a minority. 
It's a saying that has gained enormous popularity in Christianity today to the point where it's become a bit of a cliche. And why not? Why not? It's, it's a nice sentiment. One that ex is expressed by well-meaning Christians whose intent is to encourage and uplift. And really, it can bring comfort to those who are feeling discouraged. Those who are feeling perhaps a bit downtrodden and a bit hopeless. Who? Who, after all, doesn't want to believe that there will be another chance? Or that from a closed door, something will arise, perhaps new and better, so that we're able to reach the desired end that we had hoped for. So that we are able to live out and fulfill the plans that we have. Who doesn't want to believe that we can ultimately find a way to make it right so that the effort that we put into something, it's not gone. It's still there and we're still working towards what we know to be right. What we know to be right for us. It appeals to our human nature it appeals to the very core of who we are. And so we want to believe it. In a sense, there's a part of us that almost needs to believe it. But just because we want to or need to believe something doesn't necessarily mean that it's right or correct. To understand this statement, then, we need to kind of understand where it comes from and how we arrived at it in Christianity. We need to explore the deeper expression of what it actually says and what it actually means. Ironically, to understand the history of this saying is to understand that it was never a particularly Christian sentiment to begin with, nor did it have any real mention of God to it. We know it in its current form from the Rodgers and Hammerstein musical The Sound of Music, where Maria, with her guitar case in hand, declares, When God closes a door, somewhere he opens a window. And from there, it made its way into Christian life by way of popular culture. But really, really, it has a much longer history to it than that. One that goes back to the 16th century and a Spanish novella entitled The Life of Lazarillo de Tormes and of His Fortune and Adversity. In that work, it said, When one door is shut, the other openeth. And this work, this work was incredibly influential for its time. So influential that it actually founded a whole new genre of literature. And because of that, it would be referenced in other works. 
perhaps most popularly in Don Quixote. Don Quixote would very specifically mention the novella and then in turn would use a similar line where one door is shut another is open. From there it would it would weave its way through history expressed in different ways and in different settings in different fashions. For example, the German art historian Jean-Paul Richter would say, when one door closes, another opens. But we usually look so long, so intently, and so sorrowfully upon the closed door that we do not see the one that is opened. What's perhaps notable about all of this about each of these instances where we find this quote or this saying is the fact that regardless of its setting, it is always a secular idea. That is, until it would be imposed on Christianity by that famous musical. But what's wrong with that idea? After all, simply because it's a secular statement which was then worked into Christianity by pop culture, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's wrong prima facie. And we can find a biblical basis for it, can't we? We can find this idea expressed in scripture in some form or another. After all, Paul teaches us in the epistle to the Romans we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. This essentially teaches the same concept, doesn't it? It's essentially the same idea, just worded in a slightly different fashion or a slightly different manner, isn't it? Doesn't it remind us that even, even if something bad happens, God will make something good of it so that we will reach that desired end that we planned. That's what it says, doesn't it? The problem with using this verse in this manner is that it's not what it means. When the Apostle is speaking here, what he is speaking about is eternal life. The idea that there is no pain, that there is no persecution that the believer can face that will separate him from the love of God. Even amidst the evil and the wickedness of this world, he protects his elect through Christ. Paul, in recognizing that there is a fundamental tension that exists between human expectation and the divine promises that come from the Lord, seeks to then alleviate it by pointing to the fact that God, he is working for the final and everlasting good, the ultimate good of those who believe on his name.
the reality that we then have to contend with oftentimes is the idea that not everything in this life, not everything in this world actually works out for good amidst this world. We see that. We give the witness to that throughout history, throughout the history of the saints even. Bad happens. Sometimes terrible happens. And there is ultimately, there's ultimately no escaping it. We may in the end find that there is something that we're able to derive from it. It may teach us something of incredible value in our lives. And in that, find that we're able to apply it in many different ways and in many different places as we just grow in our faith, as we grow spiritually and we draw closer to God. Yet, in the end, that shouldn't be understood as the good that Paul is speaking about here, because it's not, nor is it a reference to one door closing and another opening. Nor is it a reference to the idea that if one door closes, then, well, this window, this window, it will magically appear and it will open for us. The truth is, the fundamental truth is, that there is no stopping God from shutting a door. And suddenly, suddenly with that closed door, that's it. That's the end. There's no window. There's no other door. There's no other way around it. We're just shut off. That's harsh. It's abrupt. But it's also reality. Why? Because God, he doesn't change his mind, nor does he shut a door as if it were some sort of game that he was playing with you, where you now have to go and find a window to climb through in order to somehow, some way, live up to his plan or his will, as if somehow, some way, this is going to be the only way that you're going to be able to find that you reach your desired goals. It doesn't work that way, nor should it be understood as working that way. Paul, Paul understood this all too well. In Acts 16, we read the account of him trying to spread the gospel to Asia. And there, there he was stopped by the Holy Spirit. Not once, but twice. His response, it wasn't, well, okay, God closed this door to me and made certain that it was locked so that even if I go this way or that way, I can't get there. But I know that somewhere around here, he left a window open so that I'm able to go through it. His response wasn't to keep trying as if God was 
somehow, some way, testing him to see if he really, truly wanted to spread the gospel in Asia. God knew him. God knew his heart. God knew what he desired. It wasn't a game to God. And because of that, it wasn't a game to Paul. His response wasn't to keep trying as if that was the only way to do it. Rather, he turned his attention and his focus to Macedonia, and there, there he found the open door that God wanted him to go through. And we see that through the rest of this story, because there are unique opportunities and unique circumstances that arise because of it. Unique in the sense that they could have only come from God. Looking again at Paul, we see his prayer in 2 Corinthians 2. Three times he prayed that God may remove the thorn from his flesh. And three times, three times God told him no. His response then wasn't to look around and see another path or another way as if God didn't know what he was talking about or as if God was just saying, well, yeah, okay, this will be healed from you, but you can't go this way. You have to go that way. No. No. His response his response was to recognize what God was saying to him. And that was, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. In that, Paul boasted gladly in his weakness, knowing the power of Christ rested on him. It wasn't about finding a window it was about learning to live with the circumstances and the situation that he was in, recognizing that this door was closed and it always would be closed and there was no way around it. You see, when we say when God closes a door, he opens a window, it may sound good, it may sound right, it may seem like we are yielding to his sovereignty, but really, really we're not. What we're essentially doing is holding God accountable for those things that we want or those things that seem right to us. We want something, but the door is closed. So there must be another way around it. There must be this window opens somewhere. We just need to look for it. We just need to find it. It'll be there. It has to be there. It never occurs to us that God, God might be shutting this off for your own good. And why doesn't it occur to us? Because we have made our assessment. And we then, in that assessment, superimpose our will. 
our desires on God's will and God's desires. Yielding to his sovereignty, though, yielding to his sovereignty is prayerfully, humbly, obediently relenting to God's will and God's design. It's not trying to find a way around it. It's not trying to find a way for us to get what we want, even when God shuts that door to us. The truth, the plain and simple truth is, no matter how hard it may be for us to accept, when God closes a door, it is for a good reason. And that reason is not simply a matter of fulfilling us. That reason, it's not simply a matter of giving us what we want. And it's not just a game of us trying to find a way around it. No. It's not. It's not because of any of those things. What we have to realize then is that our plans, our plans are not so great and so wonderful that God needs to relent to them. They're not so great and wonderful that we just need to a bigger push or we just need to persuade God that this is right so that he'll open a window. What we have to do is we have to recognize that he has something else in mind. He desires something else for us. And what we are doing by searching for this open window is ultimately trying to stand in the way of that plan, that design, so we can put what we want first. Realizing this means that, yeah, there's going to be disappointments along the way. There will be things that we want that we are ultimately cut off from. Yet, what it teaches us is there is something far more valuable, something far more important for us. That is namely submission. Recognizing that God's ways are higher than our ways, and that he, looking across the vast scope of time and space, understands things better than we do. He understands things better than we ever could hope to. Thus, he may close the door. He may slam every single window. He may lock it all up as tight as Fort Knox. And why? Because he knows. And because ultimately... It's not about our plans. It's not about our desired ends. It's about him.
It's about his plans. It's about his designs. We shouldn't be looking then for these ways around God's closed doors, somehow believing that they aren't serious or as if maybe, just maybe, he wants us to work a little bit harder for it. Rather, what we should be doing is taking it to him in prayer, seeking his guidance, seeking his answers, seeking what he is calling us towards. In this, we need to recognize that it's about how we work to align ourselves with God's will rather than trying to find some way around it or trying to force God to align himself with what we want. In this sense, we have to know that God, God is doing exactly what he said he would do. You see, through Christ, through Christ and his glorious sacrifice, we are adopted as children. We are adopted as children of our Heavenly Father. And he will act like a father to us. The job of a father then is to chart the course for his children as he guides them to maturity. And what this also means is saying no and meaning no. This means stopping the child at times, closing doors to them, and making certain that they aren't able to pass through them. And for us, for us, this means understanding that closed doors are not obstacles to get around, but rather important lessons for us to ultimately learn from. Now, none of this is to say that God, he won't open a window, as it were, closing the door to one path, because really, that's a wrong path for you. What we recognize in those instances is that we may understand where it is that he wants us to be, but we don't necessarily understand the path that he wants us to be on. Because of this, there is a necessity on his part to correct our course. So he shuts off the current path and he nudges us, he guides us, he directs us to that other path. Yet to the obedient Christian, to the humble child, his spirit serves as a guide to where we must be, to where he wants us to be. The window in these times are not somewhere. They're not just somewhere off in the distance. They're not hidden from us or hidden from our sights. Rather, he leads us to them through the power of his good and gracious spirit. But regardless of that, our encouragement when God closes a door shouldn't be the prospect of an open window or another door opening. 
Rather, it should come in the fact that we can take it to our Heavenly Father in prayer and in humble submission, having this opportunity to center ourselves with him and his will, to better understand his designs for our lives. This, in turn, allows for him to encourage us, to give us peace, to teach and instruct us. This gives him the chance to show us something that we might have otherwise missed because we focused our attention elsewhere. Don't spend your time looking for open windows to crawl through. Spend your time in prayer. Spend it in the word of God, in seeking the guidance of more experienced Christians. Spend your time looking for God, even amidst your disappointments, heartaches, and fears. It's then that you will find something more joyful, more blessed than any open window. You will find the peace that surpasses all human understanding. But then that's all I really came on here to say. I want to remind you that you'll be able to find me online by searching for Wyatt McIntyre. I have a Facebook page, Twitter, and YouTube, so please take a look for me there. I'm also excited to tell you that I'm going to be starting a new substack over the coming weeks where I'm going to post longer articles, essays, and the such. So be on the lookout for that, and I will keep you up to date with what's going on there so that you know where to go and what is going on. I hope you'll take that opportunity to join with me there. But until we have the opportunity to meet again, may the peace of the Lord, that transcending, encompassing peace, that peace that surpasses all human understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, even unto life everlasting. Amen.